as the academic year comes to a close, it doesn't mean that things stop at Monmouth University with University President Patrick Leahy. I'm faculty member Matt Harmon. On this episode of Monmouth Weekly, we discuss the year that was the summer that is now and a look ahead to the next year of 2022-23. It's episode 40 of our Monmouth Weekly podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. A very good morning as we have turned the calendar into May. It's been a while since we've been up and going with our Monmouth Weekly podcast, but good to be back with you with University President Patrick Leahy. I am faculty member Matt Harmon. Um, we have moved into the summer months, June, July, and August here at the Jersey Shore. And President Leahy, I wish you a very good morning. I mean, if I was going to be my normal sarcastic self, I would say, where have you been with the podcast? But I know that things have been extremely busy winding down uh, the academic year, getting ready for summer, looking ahead to the fall, all stuff that we're going to talk about on the podcast today. But but it is good to be able to uh, grab you for a little bit. I know it's it's a busy, ironically, Wednesday for you. You've got some faculty calls coming up and staff briefings and everything that kind of goes along with the ins and outs of the summer life of the university president. Yeah, good to see you too, Matt. I am um... I'm working hard to try to pro provide some content for our calls. So hopefully we can get into that uh, in the intervening month. But uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, we celebrated Memorial Day weekend last weekend. And of course, we join people across the country in remembering our servicemen and women, uh, in particular, those who sacrificed uh, their very lives for our freedoms. So uh, ne never too late to recognize them. but. Um, I got the question over Memorial Day weekend that I've gotten a number of times in my career, which is, Pat, now that commencement is over and the academic year is winding down, what are you going to do all summer? <laughs> so uh, trust me, there's plenty to do around Monmouth this summer, and uh, I'll be very busy. And I look forward to sharing some of those updates as well. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm sure the, the faculty and staff that will be on the open call later will, will see you. Um, I, I was going to say disappointed to see you this morning. Still shirt, tie, the whole. What happened to summer casual? You should Socks, be in Socks, shoes. <laughs> Flip-flops, that's what you should be in. Maybe a T-shirt. I mean, I would, I would settle for a golf shirt even, but um, it, you're running a tight ship up there. If you're still going shirt and tie and we've turned the calendar to June, um, you, you know, on, on so many levels, this academic year of 2021 into 2022, I will say, started with nothing but question marks, right? But maybe finished with a lot of exclamation points, the way that the year kind of turned out. I, I was thinking of the way to say that, and that kind of popped in, like, how is this year going to be? And now that we're at the end of it, it's like, wow, we made it through a year. Feel free to grab that, put that on the staff call today. I, I won't even have to take credit for it if you want to use it, but I thought it was a really good way to kind of to sum up what the year was. You sound like a professor of English over there. Uh, I like the way you put that, though. Quite frankly, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know if that was spur of the moment or whether you've been uh, preparing that for weeks now. 
Listen, you've seen me work before up in the booth. I don't I, very minimal notes. I'm a spur of the moment, seat of the pants kind of guy. I mean, I look back on this academic year, which, as you point out, is is winding down. Uh, in fact, we're well into our summer sessions academically. And I look back on it with a, a lot of satisfaction, you know, because there were a lot of questions going into the to, into the year last fall. And uh, we had healthcare protocols still in place and we were watching carefully the continued development of the pandemic. And there was a lot of nervousness around the campus. And I think uh, as is customary of this community, uh, we all pulled together and um, we created a, a really an exceptional academic experience for our students this year. And, uh, you know, culminating in commencement, which we'll talk about. But I, I look back on it with uh, a great deal of uh, satisfaction. Satisfaction and, and in so many ways, um, you know, my interaction with students that were graduating, it was, it, was, it was unique because the seniors that I either advised or I've had in class for so many years in the communication department, it, it was it was difficult to talk to them. Like, how was your four years at Monmouth? I mean, you almost forget in a way because of the way that the year finished and everything kind of on an upswing. Um, again, not that COVID is gone. It's actually kind of bounced back a little bit. Not that COVID is gone, but you almost forget that for students that are graduating or have graduated in May or even the course of the summer, in essence, for, for two and a half years of their collegiate experience, it was something that nobody has ever seen. You know, it's like, how was your four years? And I think students actually really struggle to answer that question. Yeah, and, and, and rightly so. I mean, they had a, a unique experience in college that, you know, people in 100 years haven't had, I guess. Uh, so I know that it, it was very unique. I know it, it was not what they expected in many respects. Um, I give them a ton of credit for continuing to stick with it and sustain their engagement uh, through the last uh, number of years to get to the end of the road here, you know, commencement. Despite that, the number of students who uh, came up to me during the commencement ceremony and talked about, despite all of these challenges, um, you know, they'll say these were the best four years of their, of their lives, despite all these challenges. My message at commencement is don't believe that for a minute. Don't let anybody tell you somehow that a 22-year-old or 23-year-old has already had the best four years of their lives. I mean, my, my message is a lot more hopeful that they will have these amazing lives throughout the 21st century and with all the, the developments and the changes and the exciting things happening in our world that uh, no way am I, uh, am I prepared to admit that the best years of their lives are behind them. They are still very much ahead of them. You know, uh, but it was still really satisfying to hear them talk about how meaningful their experience was here. Yeah. And let me let me go back. When I talk about a student's experience over the course of the last four years, it's it's not mama specific. It's everywhere. I mean, I, I, I you know, I work on the beach. So now I've seen other other students come back for the summer and they say the same thing. Like it, it, it's been crazy to kind of navigate. Um, and, and Monmouth did, I would say, a fantastic job over the course of the last two and a half years trying to get 
everybody through it. Um, you know, speaking of commencement, I'm, I'm reminded because I had done the name reading for the, the first of the ceremonies, which was the master's and the doctoral um, proceedings. And Jack Ford was the keynote speaker who addressed. And I, and I thought his message to go along with what you just said in your message, I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember. I think it was, it was Jack who said, now go do better at the end of his speech. You know, like it was kind of the same message, everything, as it's been the last couple of years, this was a great time of your life, but now go do better. And that's what you would always wish for anyone who's graduating Monmouth or any institution of higher learning. You've finished, now go do better. That's kind of what you're saying as well. Yeah, and, and it was Jack Ford who delivered that message. And uh, what an honor for me to be able to recognize him with my first honorary degree here at Monmouth. I mean, I've had the great privilege of bestowing those at other places, but my first one here at Monmouth, because I approached him, you know, two and a half years ago <laughs> to be the commencement speaker and honorary degree recipient at the 2020 commencement. And even though we had all those ceremonies, they were broken up so much that I just asked Jack to wait until we could come back to some semblance of normal. But he um, he's a professional and uh, his uh address reflected as much. And I think his point and mine uh, in a different kind of way is students will look back on this experience and I don't know if they'll fully appreciate everything that they learned until they get a few years removed from it, because there really were important life lessons that were learned over these last four years that will stand them in good stead as they um, develop their careers. So um, it was just such a great thing. You know, I, my message to that group is always, um, you know, with, with increased abilities comes increased responsibilities. And uh, that's a good message for our masters and doctoral students, frankly, for all of our students, given, given the importance now, they have uh, educational attainment that when you look worldwide, very few uh, very few people worldwide have. And with that has to come some added responsibility. Tell me from this standpoint, and then we can kind of move ahead a little bit. If you thought back over the course of the last year, 2021-22, the academic year we're talking about, and compared it to when COVID started in 2020, and then that whole next year of 2020-2021, how was this year maybe different than the the first year and a half and and what were the unique challenges that maybe went along with it i mean i think of the first year everything was going along at just perfectly normally and then we had that very very dramatic shift so that was a unique year in and of itself because of how radically we had to shift then you go to the next year and we had so much hybrid stuff going on we had some academic programming online and some here and some people in the residence halls and some people staying home and we had athletic uh, contests, but half of what we normally do in terms of the schedules, you know, so that was a unique year in that we, we had to integrate a lot of different things in order to get through the year. And then this last year, I feel like we were back. Uh, now there was anxiety about being back, rightly so, and uh, would things continue to develop positively? 
But we were back and um, despite, you know, just having to comply with a few added healthcare protocols, um, most people were thrilled to be back and to be actively involved again on campus and to be engaged with one another in person. So I see, my hope is that next year will even be more normal than this year. And the only difference there would be if things are calm enough that we can relax all of our healthcare protocols. That would be the only the only thing missing now, because, you know, we still did some masking this year. We still, you know, encourage people who feel more comfortable to remain masked up indoors. Um, my hope is that we won't have to go to any mandatory masking. We'll still allow people to mask if they choose. But once we do that, Matt, we are back, I hope, to normal. And um, and that would be really, really uh exciting for us to be able to open up the school year without having to manage testing and, and other protocols and distancing and, and the like. And I hope we're headed that way for this coming year. So I think of them as three distinct sort of years. And you had mentioned, um, you know, the summer at Monmouth is, is busy on so many different levels and maybe different ways than it is during the course of an academic year. And I hate to say, you could use the summer as, as a trial and error period, but this summer session, it, 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 it's almost in a way, okay, where are we? What works? You could maybe try something if you wanted to during the course of a, of a, of a summer session to see how students feel about it, how faculty feel about it, how staff feel about it. Um, so I know this, the summer is really important on so many levels, but to also just kind of get a gauge maybe of where people are at. Yeah, I mean, and our summer activity, as you well know, academically is really is really strong. I mean, um, I don't I, I don't know, 10,000 credits are going to be earned this summer, something like that. And it's down a little bit this year over previous years. I think a, a, a result of, you know, a few things. Um, one is, you know, we, we went to <clears throat> from 128 credits to graduate to 120. So right there, it's just like our students need fewer credits to graduate. That's a perfectly market-based adjustment, incidentally. I mean, everybody across the country requires 120 credits. We were, we were unique in, in, in requiring more. So we think that's the biggest part of it. A lot of our, on, our, 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 credit, our course offerings in the summer are online. And um, I think in a typical summer, that's enticing to students. Maybe they're a little fatigued about uh, online uh, delivery. So maybe that's that's it. But you're right in that the summer can be treated as a laboratory in some respects. And you can try different things and you can you have to you know, sort of redesign your courses in order to pack, you know, really good quality work into a compressed period of time. I think that fosters a little bit of academic innovation. So I always say I, I, I want us to operate as a university 12 months of the year. And what does that mean? It means that we need to be at, at offering academic programming to students all months of the year, not just eight months of the year, but, but or nine months, but 12 months because students want to have access to those courses to get ahead or to catch up 
or whatever. And if we want them to graduate on time, we need to be available to them by offering these courses in the summer. So we, we have a very active summer in terms, of, in terms of academic programming, which I'm really pleased about. University President Patrick Leahy, faculty member Matt Harmon, were on our 40th episode of our Monmouth Weekly podcast, um, just kind of breaking down the, the year that was. And on, on so many levels, as you look ahead maybe to um, the year coming up in 2022-23, you're also kind of reminded that um, students are still picking up acknowledgments and um, I'll, I'll throw this one at you, and I know it's something you're extremely proud of, having a couple of students on the on the Fulbright list, right, that will represent Monmouth and be part of that um, highly esteemed and very difficult program to be part of. You know, when I arrived at Monmouth, I asked three years ago, you know, what's our Fulbright story? And to be honest, Matt, we didn't have one. And, and it just dawned on me, like, wait a second, we have among our student body, the talent to apply for prestigious postgraduate fellowships. I just don't know if we had the infrastructure in place to support the students in, the, in those pursuits. And so we added some things over the course of the last few years. And it resulted first a couple of years ago with our first like NCAA postgraduate uh, fellowship, which is an extremely competitive postgraduate prestigious scholarship for athletes. And then this year, as you pointed out, we had three students make it to the final uh, sort of cut, if you will, for the Fulbright. And two of those three actually were awarded Fulbrights, one undergraduate student, one graduate student. And that is so significant for us. I mean, um, it just demonstrates to the world and to the marketplace that we have that kind of talent here at Monmouth, if, if properly supported and developed, uh, they too can compete against fine students at every other school in the country. You, you know, and Fulbrights are awarded to schools all across the country. All the finest schools in the country uh, have Fulbright scholars every year. And I'm just glad that Monmouth is now one of them because you know how competitive I can be. And uh, it's really important anytime our students can compete against students from other fine schools and compete well, it burnishes the reputation of our university. And, and uh, so proud that this year, you know, we had the three finalists and then two winners. And I hope this is the beginning of an annual uh, process that, that we can put in place. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was also reminded of um, even though on just about every level, Athletics is now kind of in a, uh, a quiet period. The university also has one student that will go to uh, the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships, Evan Narowski, um, in the in the Javelin. The Javelin. Yeah. Will go and compete um, at the University of Oregon coming up in, a, I think, another week. It's the second, second week of June. Um, He's the only athlete, in essence, that's still competing for Monmouth as part of this academic year. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing on on a lot of levels. It's interesting you should think of it that way. Yeah, he's our final sort of athlete of this current year that's still competing, and uh, he's doing really well. I mean, I, I forget exactly. Didn't he finish tenth in the region or something, which qualified him to the nationals? And 
Um, do I have this right, Matt? Is he a freshman? Is he a first year or second year student? I mean, he's, he's, he's on the earlier side of his academic experience, I think. So um, really, really excited about that. Hold on. I have a chance for Monmouth to compete on a national stage. And every time we do that, it burnishes our reputation just a little bit. Yeah, you're right on right on the money with that. A, a, a freshman right now at Monmouth. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we should probably think in three more years he probably should just win the whole thing. I would imagine <laughs> at that point. Um, but but congratulations. Well, yeah, and, and this is so we're here June first and July first uh, is when the uh, the major transition formally occurs from the MAC and the Big South and the America East to the uh, Colonial Athletic Association. So we're getting prepared prepared for that and very, very excited about that move. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that's part of, um, again, what the, what the summer months are in terms of planning, prep, um, not just for athletics, but usually it's a time that things take place on campus that, the, the common everyday person that's not there during the course of June, July, and August wouldn't necessarily know about until maybe they showed back up in September. What are some of the what are some of the summer things that are are happening that when people show back up in September they they might notice or things that they might not notice that are also important? I hope there's very noticeable uh, changes from now to say from June 1st to September 1st. Um, you know, the summer months, as you know, having worked in the academy for many years now, they are very, very busy months. Maybe the type, the activity type changes just a little bit, but I already talked about how active our academic programming will remain in the summer. But the summer on a college campus is often the time for um, adjustments to the campus and investments in the campus and capital projects and construction projects. And um, it's such a limited window that we move quite quickly in the summertime to try to get things completed from commencement to the beginning of the fall semester. So this year in particular, we have a ton of things happening. Um, I'll just run through a few of them. There's a very complex set of space moves and I won't go into all the detail, Matt, but a very thoughtful plan was developed over the last year to figure out there's certain things we needed better space, which was consistent with our strategic plan. We needed a better place for our intercultural center, and we've identified it. We needed more and better space for our career development center, which is an important part of our strategic plan, and we've identified it. We needed to figure out a new home for our police department. If you know the current home, you know that it is in desperate need of, of uh, new space. So we've identified it. We needed better space for our alumni um, uh, affairs effort during the, the beginning of a major campaign. We found it. And the beauty of this is we found it in existing space around the campus. We don't have to build anything new. We don't have to incur those, um, you know, these, those additional expenses. Yes, we will spend some money to make sure that, you know, those spaces are equipped adequately for their new functions. But a whole series of space moves, continued investments in our North Campus for the benefit of our sort of residential students who, who live up there. 
so many things happening, no one of which is itself dramatic, but I hope the sum total of those will make the campus a lot more functional for our students. I mean, these were student-centered moves, and I'm really excited that our hope is we can get all of that done between now and the beginning of the fall semester. In addition to that, a couple other big things, the Ocean First Bank Center will get a brand new Jumbotron this summer. Great thing about that is, as you know, Matt, when you build the Ocean First Bank Center and you decide to put a Jumbotron like that in that we have, it's got like a 10-year useful life. I mean, it just is. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the nature of uh, that kind of equipment. And we're coming up to uh, more than 10 years of useful life. So we needed to replace that anyway. And our advancement team went out and uh, raised the resources from private donors to pay pretty much for the entire project. So we will get this summer um, not only a new Jumbotron with the latest state-of-the-art technology to enhance the experience in the Ocean First Bank Center, but it will have been paid for uh, by uh, supporters of the university uh, almost entirely. I mean, there's about a fifty dollars or $100,000 investment we need to make, but everything else was covered by donors. I mean, that is such a home run because that was a deferred maintenance issue for us anyway. One way or another, we were going to have to spend upwards of a million dollars to replace that equipment. And Amanda and her team were able to get it paid for by third parties. So that's going to happen. Again, not itself some major project that's going to change the nature of the university, but that's going to happen while all these other things are happening. And then the last thing I hope is going to happen is we're going to get our signage package installed on the campus. I maybe have mentioned to you in the past that you know, I look around the campus, I see all kinds of different kinds of signs. Some of them are faded. Others aren't of the same family. It just doesn't look like a unified, first-rate university. And so we've meticulously designed, you know, new signs that will go up all over the campus. I mean, who knew we had some 250 signs on the campus that need to be replaced? And the hope is that they're going to start that process and get most of that done this summer as well. So the goal here, as you point out, is if you leave campus in May and don't return until September, I hope you'll see some very noticeable changes in our continuing development of the campus. Which in in so many, I'll say, ways and levels, some people might be thinking, oh, what's the big deal about signs, let's just say, or some of the other things that you mentioned. It's, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just thinking of it as, uh, again, someone who's been at the university for a long time, who has a son who goes there, who talks to people on tours, and as people come in and out of the, the Plangier Center, um, it, you need to look organized, right? I mean, it's just that simple. You need to present a good front because as you and I have talked about so many times, and it will lead us into maybe our last point of the day, it's extremely competitive to get people to decide, this is where I want to spend the next four, five, six years, if you're on a grad program, um, years of my life, and give money to, and be part of. 
it, it, you, you need to put up the best front possible. And this is an actually, in my opinion, a, a, a pretty cost effective way to do that. I mean, you, when you have to put 250 signs up, it's going to cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid you. I mean, it's, you know, it's real money, but relatively speaking, um, it's, it's a, a, a small, uh, reasonable price to pay to create that unified look and feel and functionality to the campus. And uh, I, once again, this is one of my, you know, the last two places that I worked, Matt, we changed out the, the signage package. So, you know, that was coming uh, when they, when they hired me, but I looked around and I said, you know, this, this could look even, uh, even better than, than it does right now. And, I was so heartened the other day, just a quick story that I, uh, one of our newer board members who joined the board during the pandemic and has pretty much been um, engaged, you know, through Zoom calls um, and, you know, the, the few meetings that we've had in person on campus. He called and requested a tour of the campus, just, just like he were a prospective student, which, first of all, I really appreciated his interest and learning about the campus. And the bottom line after a 90 minute visit was he was like so many people, very impressed with what we've got. And he sees a lot of other colleges and universities because um, he actually runs a foundation and other colleges and universities are petitioning him for support. So he's seen a lot of campuses and he just reminded me uh, what, what, a, what an asset we have here. And uh, I just told him that I'm glad that he's saying that now um, with his support as a board member, uh, this could look even so much better and be so much more functional in the years to come. Let's finish with a look ahead to 2022-23, get through the summer, start the academic year right after Labor Day, as Monmouth traditionally does. What would be um, uh, maybe a summation of the academic class that will be coming in or want to take that a step further, returning students that will be coming back um, in, in terms of the enrollment numbers, which I know we're always right now, a little bit of a challenge for any institution of higher learning and a little bit of, hey, again, we need to recruit, we need to move forward. What's this coming academic year look like? Well, first of all, the, the class itself is a great class. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's so many different uh, f- variables that you measure in terms of assessing the quality of the class. Right, Matt? So the first is, what is the, <clears throat> what is the academic preparation preparedness of the class? Well, at least by the measure of average Great point average. It is the most prepared academic class we've ever enrolled at Monmouth. Now, some could argue, well, there's been great inflation over the pandemic or, you know, we're still uh, SAT optional. So that's not all I'm telling you is that when you take the number of students that are enrolled and you average out their GPA, it's it's by far the best academically prepared class to ever come to Monmouth. That is part of our strategic initiative, number one. Number two, as you've heard me say uh, a few times, we have to reduce our reliance on the state of New Jersey by increasingly recruiting 
out of market, if you will, secondary markets. That could be as close as Pennsylvania to the West or Florida or California or internationally. You know, this year, um, well over 30% of our class is, will be enrolled from outside the state of New Jersey. That is a strategic imperative of the university. We have uh, still a high percentage of our students that are um, underrepresented minorities, 27%, I think, last, last measure. That's down a few points from last year, but it's still a very, very strong number and allows us to continue our, our, our philosophy at integrating excellence and access. Um, a really interesting point is of our first year class, by far a record number are enrolled already in five-year programs. So as you pointed out a minute ago, I mean, we're not, we're about 25% or, or maybe even a little bit more of our class has already signaled that if all goes as planned, they'd like to be with us, not for four years, but for five years. That's a wonderful thing. So for all those reasons, it's a great class. Now, the one issue that everyone will harp on is that it is a smaller class than we were envisioning. We were hoping for around 950. We're going to end up around 900. So is that, gonna, is that a negative variance to our operating budget for next year? Yes. Is that going to put added pressure on, on finances and resources around here? Yes. And so they're not, I'm not minimizing those challenges. I will have to help steward the university through those. But that's a budgeting challenge. That's not an enrollment challenge. I mean, the enrollment numbers are, are really strong. And I'm very excited about uh, the class that's coming in. It's just going to be smaller. I mean, even that smaller class, our hope is that the same number of students will, not the same percentage, but the actual same number of students will live with us in residence halls. That is a strategic imperative of the university. So. When you line it up against our strategic plan, it's a very good class. The, the, the challenge and what will get a lot of focus is it's smaller than we were anticipating. And that always creates uh, anxiety around, around the university. Creates anxiety just because, like so many other schools, Monmouth is, in essence, tu tuition driven, right? Is that the best way to say that? So if you have 50 less, that's... That's less, as you just said, for an operating budget to then turn around and put it towards whatever the university would put it towards. Yeah, I mean, 50 fewer students this year has a certain effect. And then remember, that's 50 fewer students who will retain into the sophomore year and then retain into the junior year and the senior year. You, you know what I mean? So um, I'm not I'm not sugarcoating challenges that might emerge as a result of that. Um, I'm just saying that that's, I think of that more as a budget challenge than an enrollment challenge because it, the class itself in a very competitive market where the demographics are starting to move against us, um, that class is a really strong class. And, and we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, academic quality didn't take a hit as a result. You know, some of those other key measures did not take a hit. That would be an enrollment challenge. You see what I mean? Sort of like, it's just a number. If I told you that our goal was to enroll 900 students and I just told you what I told you, we'd be celebrating the fact that 
you know, we hit every conceivable target in our first year class. It's just that we were hoping for a little bit larger, a larger base and, and it doesn't look like we're going to get that. So I know that, um, I, I know that, uh, you have an open staff call today. Um, and some of the things that we talked about, I know will get explained to everyone during the course of that call. So I, I will wrap up by saying good luck. <laughs> Isn't that the best way to say that going into the, going into the staff calls. And I know, I know for you, those have been those have been really important, right? Those have been extremely important for you to connect with people at the university level on any level because they're open staff calls um, and be able to explain things in detail, maybe not to everyone's satisfaction always, as I have sat on those calls and listened to some of them as well. Um, but I, I, I would say the one thing is that you you always give everybody an opportunity to say whatever it is they feel like they need to say. I mean, we, we started that, th those uh, open calls at the beginning of the pandemic, the way in which you and I started this, this podcast, which was to try to find every, every, try to find every conceivable avenue to communicate with people during these really challenging times. And some of those calls, uh, literally, Matt, I get seven or 800 of our colleagues on, on a zoom call. And so, um, there's always uh, an update on where we are with the pandemic. There's always updates on what's going on at the university in general. And then there's always a segment that opens up the floor to questions and comments. I mean, and I understand that if there's six, 600 people on a call, some people might not be comfortable asking the question they really wanted to ask. But as you know, uh, a lot of them are not bashful about asking whatever it is they want to ask. And I just feel like that's important to to be available to the campus community, um, certainly during the pandemic, but it's become, um, I'm getting such feedback that they're so valuable to the campus community that they want me to continue them, even if we are through the worst of the pandemic. So I will do them a little less frequently. I mean, I was doing them pretty much every week there for a while or every two weeks. We've fallen into about a monthly pattern but I look back on 2026, uh, 2021, the calendar year 2021, I hosted 26 open calls. I guess someone could say that I'm too accessible and wow, you're, you know, every, really every two weeks you needed to, to, to host a call. I, I would rather be criticized for that than the individuals who say we never hear from that guy. He's never available to us. He never takes our questions. He never stands, stands up and defends his decisions. So <laughs> I'm just trying to find the right, the right integration of those two extremes, you know, let's finish on a, uh, on a lighter note, summer plans. I know you're busy at the university, but is there any fun that gets thrown into the mix for you, your wife, your kids. I know they're all scattered in at different stages of their life, but what, what does summer 2022 bring for President Leahy and the rest of his family? Um, you will find me uh, at the beach uh, this summer because uh, I think you, you knew this when I arrived at Monmouth, that uh, one of the things that was so attractive to me was uh, my long, enduring love of uh, the Jersey Shore. So um, we'll spend time in South Jersey with my family where, where uh, as you know, I, I grew up uh, going down south. We'll 
spent a lot of time in and around uh, uh, Monmouth County beaches as well, you know, when time allows. Uh, I just love that time with my family. You know, you're working the beaches and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the beaches. So um, I'll sit there and read a few books and um, you can keep an eye on uh, everybody and make sure they're safe. I will do that. Not a problem. Uh, great to wrap up the academic year with you. Look forward to continuing this um, during the course of, of the summer and then into next year, probably on a little bit of a, of a different level. I know we have some stuff that we can throw out to people the next time probably that we uh, chat. But these, these have been tremendous as we as we record our 40th episode and finish our 40th episode. Um, I will wish you a fantastic summer um, and my best to, to you, your wife and the kids Enjoy, hopefully, what will be a fantastic um, season of, of weather and sun and beach time. And I will look forward to catching up with you real soon. Yeah, thank you, Matt, for everything. And uh, enjoy the summer. For University President Patrick Leahy, for all involved with our Monmouth Weekly podcast, faculty member Matt Harmon, we say uh, so long for this episode. We kick off the summer months here in 2022 at the Jersey Shore. Comments, feedback, feel free to uh, reach out to myself or President Leahy during the course of your time of listening to us, and we'll catch up real soon. Enjoy the summer. It's that great time of the year at the Jersey Shore. 